All right, welcome back to another episode of 15 Minutes with Star-Lord. Uh, not really a sponsor shout-out, but just kind of a shout-out to some brands that support me and that I love. So uh, first things first, Wicked Warrior Coffee, phenomenal coffee, great product. Uh, I drink it every day. If you're looking for a really tasty blend of coffee that is very fresh, roasted, and sent out to you immediately, check out Wicked Warrior Coffee. Uh, Nogi Nation Apparel, one of my one of my companies, we make great apparel for the Nogi, you know, aspect of the world, rash guard shorts. Uh, we do custom shirts for people's walkouts, custom rash guards for gyms. So go ahead and go to nogination.com, check that out. You know, home of the fuck the IBJJF gear. So, you know, it's near and dear to my heart. Uh, Sapatero Invitational, my tournament. We're coming back this year, $5,000 tournaments probably three or four of them this year, and then hopefully a $10,000 absolute. So stay tuned to Sapatero Invitational. Send them a message. Uh, there's a application form to try to get a spot in one of the tournaments on there. And then just stay tuned because we will have qualifiers if you don't get accepted by your application. The last one I want to give a shout out to is the Hammercast by one of my students, Scott Weaver, a podcast kind of in the business realm of things, talking about how people get their starts in whatever business they have or their profession. And uh, episode two is coming out today. It's a very interesting podcast, so go ahead and give that one a listen to. All right, thanks, guys. So if you guys are wondering where that intro song comes from, that is uh, Wheeler Walker's Eating Pussy Kicking Ass, and that is now the official intro song for 15 Minutes with Star-Lord. Today, I got a couple of messages on Instagram. I put out a post on my story asking for topics you want me to cover. So I'm going to go over, uh, somebody asked me a question about the importance of breaking mechanics, um, perfecting them and, you know, kind of just like how to learn them. Also my thoughts on the belt system. And if we got time, I guess I'll talk about my buddy, Mike Padilla, cause he's been bugging me to do this forever. But, uh, yeah, breaking mechanics are, I think one of the most overlooked things in jujitsu. Um, for me, it started when I was like a purple belt because I was starting to get into leg locks at a blue belt level, got yelled at a lot, kicked out of schools, all that fun shit. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, I was a blue belt doing some leg locks and getting yelled at because they weren't IBJJF legal and all that bullshit. But, uh, at a purple belt level, I left that school. I was given a little bit more freedom and I kind of realized I could get into like single leg X, Ashi. Uh, some reaping positions, and I was unable to finish against better opposition or training partners and stuff like that. I was getting a lot of fear taps because it was back in the day of like, oh my God, heel looks are so scary. Let's tap immediately when someone grabs their foot. So I got a really false sense of confidence from doing that. And uh, it took me rolling with some real good guys to realize that I need to stop doing bullshit catch and release. And actually, I think it was Mike Padilla that came down for a seminar back when I was a purple belt. And uh, he yelled at us. He's like, dude, you guys can't catch and release. You're creating bad habits. And 100% agree with that. So uh, that was kind of the start of realizing that breaking mechanics are an essential part of jujitsu that needs to be exploited and, you know, just worked on. And it's not just in leg locks, it's in everything. I mean, if I was talking to some of my white belts the other day about this, if you can get to a position, especially against like an untrained opponent, and you're unable to finish the submission, is your jiu-jitsu any good? It's the same thing with 
okay, you can submit people, but can you take the fight to the ground? If you don't have takedowns, then your grappling, jiu-jitsu, whatever the hell you want to call it, becomes completely useless. So just like that, we have to be able to take the fight to the ground. We have to be able to secure a submission, and we have to have proper mechanics in all our submissions to be able to actually cause a break. And I say this a lot in my seminars and stuff like that, that I'm teaching you to break your partner, not hurt them. And it sounds a little harsh, but that's what you have to do. And we talked about this, I think, in like episode one, that when we're competing at a high level or fighting MMA or on the street in self-defense and stuff like that, you have to be able to break your partner. It's not enough to just strain the ligament and make it hurt a little bit. No, we have to be able to snap bones, tear their ligaments, tear their tendons, all that shit. And people get into the thought that jujitsu is the gentle art, which it can be, but that's not the way I fucking teach it. I can sit there and play with you, but I can still snap up a submission very quickly and apply it and get maximum breaking potential. So, I mean, as far as going in and practicing this or perfecting it, I don't think, I mean, obviously perfection is never something that we can achieve. It's something we're going towards and should be working towards every day, but we're never going to achieve perfection. And especially in high stress situations like competition, fights, or self-defense, I mean, I was looking at some of my old matches and there's a lot of positions. I mean, obviously hindsight being 2020 where I fucked up getting submissions and there's places where I finished the submission and I've successfully, successfully broken somebody, but it wasn't in an optimal manner. I used too much energy when I could have tweaked something a little bit and used way less energy and gotten the break just the same. So uh, the way we practice it, especially with leg locks, at a low level. So I let all my guys do leg walks from day one. You know, like there are a few exceptions. If you come in and I think you're a fucking spaz, I'm going to yell at you and be like, don't you fucking heal like anybody until I tell you to. Um, but for like white belts and newer blue belts, what we do is not catch and release. It's catch, practice the breaking mechanics and practice the escape. So let's say I'm rolling. I catch somebody in an inside heel hook. We look at each other. I'm like, hey, I got this. They're like, yep, you got it. So I practice my proper break, my partner taps, and then I stay in the same position and I let my partner practice their proper escape because then we're maximizing our uh, training time because I get practice on the entry and the finish and they also realize they fucked up and now they get to practice their proper escape. So that way they're not just sitting there thinking, oh, he's got me in a heel hook, he's just going to let me go and that builds a false sense of security. That's how people get broken in half. Just like it builds a false sense of security for the attacker that they're going to be able to get a submission or a tap on almost anyone by just sitting there and holding the heel or holding the ankle or something like that. So that's kind of how we practice it live. Um, I teach whole classes on just proper breaking mechanics on submissions. Uh, the other night I was teaching proper breaking mechanics on a Kimura and I do mine a little bit different. It's more like a catch wrestling double wrist lock. And uh, I mean, we can get into like fusion of grappling in another episode because I'm going to actually write that down. That's something that I enjoy and I think is going to be big in the coming years. Um, one second, let me write that down. Anyways, so Kimuras, I really focus on bringing the hand to the armpit because I have two ideas of Kimuras. Kimuras in the standard Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu position with the arm out at a 90 degree angle. 
that's more of a transitionary Kimura. And uh, that's how we go through our Kimura traps, take the back, go to the arm bars and stuff like that. But if I'm looking to break somebody's arm, I'm trying to put their hand in their armpit while supinating their arm. So basically giving it a twist so that the ligaments and the bone become extremely tight. And then I switch my hips and start pushing the hand behind their back. Now, that's just the way the human body works. If you take your arm and you put it in a 90 degree angle and try to put it behind your back, most people can do that. All right. I have some fucked up shoulders, so my range of motion is not quite there. Now, if you take your hand and you put it in your armpit like you're trying to scratch it and then put it behind the back, you start to realize that your range of motion is limited in there. So, I mean, for me in breaking mechanics, it kind of breaks down to removing the slack from your opponent's limb that you're attacking. And then we start to attack with our breaking power, okay? Mechanics are normally upper body, and the power normally comes from your hips and your core and your back. So let's say we're in the Kimura. The mechanics are bringing the hand in tight to the armpit, revving the arm to get the, uh, the supination, and then we're stepping over the head, all right? That's the mechanics, getting it tight, removing the flexibility from the joint. The power comes from the rotation of your body and pushing that hand behind the bed or behind the head. And it's not just using your arms. Remember, we're rotating our core, using our hips, our shoulders, our stomach, our core, all of that. And that's where the power comes from. So breaking mechanics are normally upper body and the breaking power is normally your lower body and core. So yeah, that, that's my uh, kind of principles on brake mechanics. Uh, so the belt system, somebody asked me if it's dead and uh, what if anything could I replace in it? So it's really weird because I view myself primarily as a no-gi practitioner, a uh, submission wrestler or a hybrid wrestler. And I'm not a big fan. Yes, I'm a black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I don't like to identify with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I don't like to identify with catch. I don't like to identify with one martial art, okay? I really believe that a hybrid system is the best. And I think I've said this in the past, not on this, but uh, I really believe that the Pancrase guys, they said, we are hybrid wrestlers. That is the mentality we should all have. And for me as a business owner, the belts are important because it does delineate between beginners and more intermediate people. So... It shows the people in the room who you can go to to learn something from and who you can go to to help someone. Now, I'm not big on like hierarchy and like, oh, don't ask a number of belt to roll and shit like that. That's not what I am. Okay. And that's not how we run our school. But I understand the merits of a belt system from a business standpoint, as in it helps retain students. Some people need to have that gratification. Um, and yeah, I mean, me personally, I think belts are stupid. I think if it was up to me, I wouldn't have any belts, but I also wouldn't have any students in my school because some people like that gratification of the work. When I was coming up, um, I wanted my blue belt and I really wanted my purple belt. After that, when I got my brown belt, I really didn't care. I actually didn't even want my black belt. So my mind, belts have always been stupid, but that's also how I was kind of brought up by my coach, Bill. And um, I understand why they're here. I respect it in that standpoint, the tradition of it. But 
I don't think we can necessarily get away from it. Uh, and then the other argument is if you're a primarily no-gi school, do you need to have belts? Well, you still need to have grading. Um, the catch wrestling guys, they do certification courses. 10th Planet, they still have a, a belt system. The thing that I've been finding really interesting is the Bang Muay Thai, uh, Bang Muay Thai guys, they do shirts. So they have ranked shirts. And I'd always thought that ranked shirts for a no-gi school or maybe like an armband or anklet, kind of like the uh, the Thai guys used to have those bicep arm armbands while they're walking to the ring doing their uh, Y cow. And I always thought something like that would be cool for a no-gi school. So that way you still can see who's an instructor, who's a student, what rank they are, the beginner, intermediate, all that stuff. But uh, I think if I was going to do a completely no-gi academy, I would probably do at least ranked t-shirts, you know, and keep it traditional to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, white, blue, purple, brown, black, maybe add in a green there. But uh, I'm not a big fan on fluffing people's egos with stripes and belts. I think I start and end all my promotion ceremonies with belts are stupid. I'm happy to give them to people. And there's a lot of situations where they mean a lot to me as an instructor giving them out means a lot more than ever receiving them. Like I have a couple guys I'm giving bills to up here in February and dude, they earned it so hard. And these guys are people who have spent a lot of time in the sport, done a lot for the sport. They've improved a shit ton and they're just tough motherfuckers. And that makes me happy. But uh, as far as whether I think it's outdated a little bit, but in uh, the snowflake culture, that we're living in now, not so much. I understand why people need it. I'm never really going to get rid of it. And uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't really see martial arts that don't have ranking succeeding in a business standpoint. That doesn't mean they're not going to be good fighting arts and they're not useful to learn, but they're never going to be mainstream. Last thing I'm going to talk about since I do have time is my buddy, Mike Padilla. So, uh, <laughs> Mike is obsessed with the fact that I did a video of Keith Kikorian. Um, I was driving my car, had my wife record me, and I kind of talked about Keith for like five minutes. So uh, Mike was like, when are you going to do a video like me? We've been boys for so long. But uh, honestly, without being a dick, Mike is one of the biggest factors in my jujitsu from someone that wasn't my my coach. You know, So my coach, Bill... Huge factor in my jiu-jitsu. And then I would say Eddie Cummings, Dean Lister, and Mike Padilla. And Mike Padilla is the one that I actually spent time with. You know, I, I studied a lot of Eddie Cummings and Dean Lister. But Mike Padilla came down for the first time when I was a purple belt. And we were actually starting to talk about becoming one of his affiliates. He wasn't ready at the time. And then come to find out last year, it's because he thought we sucked. And uh, he then went on to say, oh, I didn't realize you guys were going to get good, like, you guys were fucking horrible when I first met you guys. And like I said in the beginning of the episode, you really showed me the uh, the flaws in the old school system that we were in. You know, He was the first guy that showed me how to do some proper heel hooks from inside and outside. You know, your standard backstep entry to the saddle. That was like mind-blowing to me as a purple belt because I was like, holy shit, I can backstep into a position that looks like a knee bar and attack an inside heel hook. And uh, I've gotten to do a lot of cool things with Mike. He's been on a lot of my events. He was on the first ever Sapatero. He, uh, man, he got the flu for that event. He made weight. 
And I'm trying to remember. I think he won the first match and then ended up losing to Jason Hayden in overtime. And uh, it was insane, man. Mike, Mike's been there for day one for my tournaments. He ended up coming back. He had a match with Ben Zapata on the Sapater 145 where John Callisine won. He came back. He decided to have a match with Josh Hayden at 185 pounds. That was a fucking hell of a match. And then he came back and did the 155 Gamblers Invitational that I ran. Made it all the way to the finals. Ended up losing to Keith Kikorian, I think, in overtime. But uh, Mike's had some fucking killer wins on my shows. He's looked great on EBI. He's one of those guys that people sleep on because I think the craziest thing about Mike is he trains like three days a week. And he competes at a super high level. And uh, he works in construction, you know. He runs a school, works in construction, probably only trains and rolls three to four times a week and makes it to EBI, Sapatero, all that shit, and does really well against guys who are full-time training. So I talk about these guys that I respect and admire. And, and as much as it pains me to say it, Mike Padilla is definitely one of those. He's my boy for life. He doesn't have the best hair in jiu-jitsu. That goes to Jason Hayden. But uh, Mike Padilla is my boy. So go check him out. Padilla BJJ. He's in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Posts great technique videos on Instagram. An overall good dude. Have him in your school for seminars. I learned a lot from him. And uh, I think he's retired now. Oh, his fucking match with Enrico Coco. He had a fucking war with Enrico Coco on Fight to Win. He ended up losing. Uh, he got caught in a sloppy toehold. But he was putting the pace on fucking Enrico Coco for like six minutes, six out of the eight minutes. And then he just got caught in something stupid. But uh, yeah, Wilson Hayes, he's got wins over him. Anyways, Mike Padilla is a badass. Get him in there for a fucking seminar. Show him some love. He will definitely up your game. And uh, yeah, that's going to be it for this episode, guys. I'm going to keep doing uh, my kind of like suggestion box on Instagram for episodes. So follow me on Instagram at StarlordBJJ and just keep your eyes out because I'm going to drop probably three episodes a week, maybe four. 15 minutes isn't a long time. I can do this a couple times a week. Uh, And if you have questions or something you want me to cover on the podcast, do me a favor, drop it in my inbox on Instagram or drop it in the um, suggestion box on my story. All right. Take it easy, guys. Remember, suck 1% less every day. Be a little bit less of a piece of shit every day.